Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. Uh, we are going to change it up a little bit. I know so many of you guys are fantasy fans, so I brought in the four best dynasty minds that I know. I brought in Scott Fish. You can follow him on Twitter at ScottFish24. He's a senior analyst over there at Fanball. I brought in Ryan McDowell. You can follow him on Twitter at RyanMC23. He basically does everything. Every time I go on one of his podcasts, he makes fun of me that my resume is too long. And then he has DLF, Player Raider Pod, Dynasty Command, Roto World, Dynasty Scouts, and Dino Blueprint. Uh, Curtis Patrick, you can follow him on Twitter at CPatrickNFL. He's a lead Dynasty writer over there at Pro Football Focus. He has the Dynasty Command Center, and he does the premium slacks for uh, Dynasty Chat. And then TJ Calkins, you can follow him on Twitter at TJ Calkins. He's the commissioner of the prestigious Elite Lemonade League, and he writes things for two quarterbacks, or sorry, two QBs.com, PowerPod.com, and DynastyCommandCenter.com, and DLF as well. I really appreciate you all joining me here. We're going to do a, um, a two round mock draft, uh, 12 team super flex. I know there are a lot of mock drafts out there that are not super flex, so I want to kind of change it up and. You know, you guys always kind of explain your pick and thought process and strategy and with your different picks. But so we'll, we'll go ahead and get it started right away. And Scott, you're on the, the board with the first overall pick. Yeah, I, I went with that Saquon Barkley guy. I've, I Honestly, I haven't paid much attention to the rookies this year. I've just heard he's kind of good from someone once or twice. So I decided he was the best pick. No, there's not much to say here. I mean, there's really not much. To, I'm, I'm joking, of course, but there's not much to say. Barkley's the guy. There's who else are you taking at one in superflex? Maybe, maybe consider a quarterback, but I, I still wouldn't over Barkley. It doesn't uh, have to be Barkley, or you trade it. Yeah, if you can get a haul, <laughs> if you can go get a haul, I've seen a few of those. Ryan's been Ryan's been tweeting out a few one on one trades that have looked pretty good. Yeah, I, I think even in superflex, you can't consider anybody else other than Barkley. Easy pick. You're on the clock for the second <laughs> overall pick. Talk to me about who you took, why you took him, and uh, what made you take a running back here. Yeah, so I took I took Darius Geis, and um, you know I. I agree with Scott and Ryan and what they were saying that, I mean, Barkley is still the no brainer 101, even in super, super flex here. But, you know, at 102, I think that, you know, depending on the scoring settings in your super flex league, like if it's a six point per passing touchdown league, then I think quarterback gets a little bit more consideration for me here. Or if it's just a straight up two QB league, the things could have changed here a little bit, but I think guy still has enough momentum going into the draft. He's going to be very highly valued by the dynasty community. And this is less about me loving the player, more about me thinking that he's got the highest perceived market value. So if I want to move away from him, you know, we don't know anything about our team situation either. You know, this is a draft in a in a vacuum. So if I was actually drafting a player for my team, this also could have changed. But I think 102 is where there's a tier where you start thinking about uh, some of those quarterbacks. But those are some of the reasons I chose Geis. Um, I think your number one quarterback is also a consideration here. And I think this is probably the prime trade-out spot in a super flex draft this year. Anybody else have thoughts on that? No, I think you're right. I think you're right as far as the trade-out because there are going to be people that want quarterbacks at that spot. And Ryan, you're on the clock for the, the third overall pick. And you didn't go quarterback either, which I was a little surprised with. You went with uh, running back Nick Chubb. Why'd you choose Chubb and why'd you pass on a quarterback? Yeah, the, the main reason I passed on a quarterback was because I didn't know it was a super flex mock. So that's <laughs> that's that's kind of the main reason. Uh, so Chubb, uh, at that point, Chubb felt like the easy pick. I, I feel like he can kind of do it all. I think uh, his, his senior season plus his combine pretty much proved he is uh, – I'm not going to say he's 100% back, but he's he's enough back that I feel comfortable with him uh, with using an early – rookie pick on him uh 
And, you know, it, he didn't catch a ton of passes at Georgia, but I, I do feel pretty confident he can he can do that. I, I, I don't know. I know some people worry about that, uh, that transition to the NFL, but I think I, I still have confidence he can uh, be a factor in those PPR leagues as well. And uh, I, I will say, putting myself out there, if I had realized, if I would really listened to you, uh, Elliot and, and paid attention. I would have gone quarterback here. Next time I'll learn that someone else needs to tell you the rules so you actually listen to them. But uh, I, I only listen to Curtis. So, yeah, so <laughs> Curtis, now I, I've been <laughs> I've been vocal that I think Nick Chubb is as good of a running back, kind of between the tackles, as there is in the NFL. And if this was ten years ago, I would have a first round grade on him. That, but I value pass catching running backs uh, tremendously. And you know, I know he caught a lot of passes as freshman year he had the devastating knee injury that everybody mm-hmm. knows about he's come back a long way i'm not sure he's gotten all the lateral agility they haven't really used him in the pass catching game much so that's a huge projection that's an unknown for me why why are you so comfortable with taking him so high in a, a draft because i know this is one of your guys yeah i mean that's that's a great point of discussion elliot and i think this is a little bit of a difference in how you and i would approach a dynasty draft and that you're more of a traditional you're more of a football mind i mean you're evaluating film you'll feel comfortable in that area. And and while I, I feel comfortable evaluating players, uh, maybe at a high level um, on film, I certainly don't have the nuanced appreciation um, like you might have. I'm looking a little bit more at simply a player that's going to garner volume based off of his draft position. I do think that he's, he's a lock to go in the top two rounds, which means he's going to get volume. Um, I think that if he goes to a team that doesn't have an established third down back based off of his draft pedigree, his athleticism, he's going to get those opportunities. I also look at guys who not only didn't get college production in the receiving game, were thought to be awful in the receiving game in college, like Jordan Howard. Um, He's posted uh, back-to-back seasons with at least 20 receptions, including 29 his rookie season. That's not like barn burner type stuff, but it's enough of a receiving floor to make him an RB1 for PPR purposes. And Melvin Gordon did nothing in the receiving game in college, and he had over 50 receptions last year. So I haven't seen anything from Chubb that suggests he can't catch a ball that's thrown well. So if he goes, especially, I'm going to be looking at landing spot. If he goes to an offense that doesn't use as much of a split between the running backs, if he goes to an offense with an accurate quarterback, especially in year one, if he goes to an offense you know that's going to be playing from behind, I think that you just have to assess. The volume doesn't have to come from the talent. He's certainly not a guy that you would feel comfortable saying, okay, he's a lock for the third down role or they drafted him with the passing game production in mind. But I think that the talent's there, that it's not necessarily going to disqualify him from at least getting that opportunity. If Jordan Howard gets an opportunity to catch some passes, (laughs) Nick Chubb's going to get an opportunity to catch some passes. I think that's really well said, coming out with different mindset approaches that you're not necessarily looking for him to be a dynamic weapon. You're just looking for him to... A dump off doesn't necessarily matter if it's that or if he's catching a flare out or if he's breaking a linebacker down in space. You're just looking for that that point. And, you know, I think that brings up an interesting discussion before you hop on to TJ's pick on pick 104. What do you think the top landing spots are? Because I think there are some teams that are going to take running backs that really knock these guys down and some teams where if they take a running back, they could really shoot up board. So what are some of the top landing spots for these guys in general for, for everybody? I'll jump in first. I really want Seattle to take either Chubb or someone who I'm viewing very similar to Chubb on day two. Uh, that would be probably the ideal spot. Uh, Denver is up there as well. Tampa, yeah, early. Um, and uh, a lot of people are mocking Barkley there if he if he gets past the Giants. But I think you look to teams that don't have a defined third down 
pass catching role because those are the natural places that if they invest a top 100 pick in a back, they're going to give them those opportunities. So, um, you know, I think I think everything that's been been mentioned so far uh, is great. I honestly don't really mind New York Jets either as a landing spot. I know they signed Crowell, but I think he's totally just a guy at this point. Powell, you know, has some talent, but I think if if they did invest some something in the top 100 at running back, I think you'd see that guy take over um, so significant carry share. I'm not so sure that if somebody slid, maybe the Texans take a running back. I know they took Deontay Foreman last year, late in the third round, um, but Lamar Miller is probably on his way out. That would be a really interesting landing spot just because of the you know the dynamic nature of that offense. Pretty pretty much anywhere that there's not a guy named um, Gurley or Bell. I mean, I think some of these guys, Hell, can, even you know, Bell or Zeke, is... obviously, <laughs> even yeah, Bell could be on his way out. I mean, I just saw Bell's something today out, that said. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, somebody was mocking Geis there at the end of the first round earlier today. So, I mean, short of the really uber elite guys, I think that the strength at the top of the running back class, provided they're drafted early, I think that they can carve out roles for themselves. Uh, Detroit also comes to mind. Scott's call of the Bucks is, is the most obvious one with Peyton Barber as the current scheduled lead back. They have, they have nobody. If Chubb or a guy like Michelle goes to Tampa Bay and maybe Geis goes to Washington and they Chris Thompson takes that third down role. Could one of the could do you think they could jump Geis as that RB two? for me, yeah. I mean I yeah. for me I've got Barkley in a tier by himself. And then I think it's it's pretty flat from running back two through five for me. I think landing spot and draft pedigree will matter a ton. Perceived role will matter a ton. Landing I know TJ is really big on landing matter. position too. I don't know if he's got anything with running backs with their shorter careers, landing spots always seem to matter a decent amount. I, I think any one of those could jump with a better landing spot. TJ, you're up fourth overall, and you know you took the goat, so talk to me. Yeah, man. Uh, I am very fortunate that Ryan didn't know this was a super flex draft. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. So uh, Baker Mayfield, the obvious top quarterback choice in this class, has come to me. I'm going to operate as if that won't happen in most drafts because depending on landing spot, he might not end up being the consensus QB one, but he's almost certainly going to stay mine. I think you're more likely to have a running back value here than a quarterback value. And either way, uh, Baker, if he's there at 104 is kind of stealing. When, when he's the Jets, when he goes to the Jets at 103, he's going to be a really good pick at Dynasty 104. <laughs> really wherever he goes in that top, you know, five, four, whatever, uh, six, maybe, I don't know. But I, I think he'd go three. But no matter where he goes, he's going to have that draft cap, draft capital where he's going to get a lot of shots as a starting quarterback, and that's what you look for in the super flex: a guy with opportunity. Scott, you're up now. Um, with yeah, the, the fifth overall pick. Uh, Who? Where'd you go here? We're uh, we're on pick five, so we're we're basically running a two hour podcast at this pace. <laughs> it seems like uh, I, I actually thought this was a pretty easy decision for me. I took Sony Michelle. I thought he was easily the best non quarterback left, and since I picked again in four picks, and TJ just took a quarterback, I figured one of the other three would drop to me for my next pick. So I decided to just let let it play out for quarterback and grab one with my next pick and take Michelle, who I thought was the best player still on the board. Think he's uh think he can be a three down back uh, even though he's not you know a prolific pass catcher or anything I think he uh, is a good enough pass blocker 
and good in that area of the game that he can he can get on the field a lot and have that opportunity and i think his draft capital i know there's there's medical concerns that have come out in the last day or two but i think his draft capital is still going to be day two so i think he's going to get some uh some opportunity there so i took i took him at 105 i love that medical concerns come out two days before the draft and we think that teams just found out this information <laughs> you know what's annoying about that the last time mm-hmm. that happened to to someone i liked his name was jhi and <laughs> that's very frustrating to see <laughs> Curtis, you're back up, and uh, you do take a quarterback. You take one that's probably going to get a whole lot of opportunity after he goes first overall. Yeah, man, it, this was this was very easy for me to take Sam Darnold at 106, and you know, I I really like Baker Mayfield, and as as a fan, as a Cleveland fan, I would love for them to take Baker just because I love the personality, I love the swagger, everything about what's going on there. Um, I think his accuracy would fit really well with what the Browns have available at pass catcher, but. Um, since Darnold's probably going to be the guy that lands there. I mean, when you, you talk about a quarterback who won't have to play right away uh, because, you know, Taylor can um, at least start the season for him. But you've got Josh Gordon and David Njoku and uh, Jarvis Landry and Duke Johnson. I mean, you can throw it in any direction, any segment of the field, and you've got a talented player there. So I, I'm honestly going to be pretty high on whoever Cleveland drafts as long as his last name isn't Allen. Ryan, you are on the clock at 107, and you draft a guy whose last name is not Allen. No, 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 no. But So by this point of the draft, I figured out what's going on, and, and I'm glad to get the guy. I, I probably would have taken it 1.03 um, had, had I been fully aware. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he's my quarterback one, though I, I think it's really, you know, it's really just splitting hairs. I I I don't have major concerns about any of these four guys, honestly, uh, being Jackson, Darnold, uh, Baker, and and Rosen. As far as Jackson, just kind of a, a personal favorite, I guess. Uh, I'm not I'm not a Louisville fan, but I am local to the area and and would love to see him do well. I think he's um, I think he's a faster Michael Vick without the arm. Uh, without you know, Vick just had that flick of the wrist. <laughs> Jackson does not have that. Um, at least yet. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's something you develop once you get to the league, but uh, I'm excited about him, his fantasy upside. And I think he's really an interesting player to try to determine his dynasty value because he's pretty clearly, if, if what we've been told for the past four or five months is true, he's pretty clearly the quarterback five in the class. If you're talking NFL draft standpoint, uh, but I've seen more and more people rank him as their fantasy or dynasty quarterback one. And just that, mm-hmm. that difference is, is really interesting. And I mean, you can talk about the, the upside and the, the speed and what he brings as a runner to that position. Um, but I think landing spot is, is going to be huge for him. Kind of like Curtis was saying. Well, I, I love the pick Ryan, because I uh, just want to say one thing about the importance of rushing as a quarterback, because you look at what a guy like Dak Prescott has done in his first two years in the league, you know, finishing as a QB wanted fantasy without much to speak of in the passing game. And you gotta, you gotta look at that as something that makes Jackson, especially in super flex, we're going to be starting two QBs. Got to feel really good about the floor that he brings, even if he has problems with turnovers or doesn't go to a place with a great wide receiver core around him, the rushing floor that he, he brings, you know, four or five points a week, is is really huge early on as a rookie. Yeah, I've been I've been running a lot of mock drafts um, really since February when these players got added to the MFL system, and I've been running one quarterback rookie mocks and and superflex or two quarterback, 
and it's it's just really interesting to track because in the one quarterback leagues or rookie drafts, you see Baker and you see Lamar Jackson uh, a lot of times as the top two quarterbacks off the board. And then when it comes to Superflex, it switches. It's uh, it's Darnold and Rosen as the top two. So I think that's just a difference of uh, Superflex, that Superflex mindset, knowing uh, there's there's a pretty good chance you're going to start this guy and maybe playing it a little bit safer versus chasing upside. Yeah, also wanting that that longer career when you uh, when you go after those those assets in a rookie draft. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So TJ, you are back on the clock with the eighth pick in the, the draft. Who'd you take? Uh, before we jump in on my pick, I just want to comment on the one QB versus two QB leagues and the mocks that Ryan has run. Um, I, I get the sense that one QB people are way more willing to take risk at the quarterback position. And Baker and Jackson seem to have the highest ceilings of the class, while Darnold and Rosen are probably the floor plays. So that's the way I'm viewing that outcome. But uh, for the eighth pick, I was super stoked uh, to have my option of two guys that I really like. Rosen being the one I passed on. Rashad Penny being the one I take. He's the best runner in the class. Yes, he's a better runner than Barkley as opposed as, excuse me, in the sense of being able to turn out yards on the ground, elusiveness, power. I mean, he has everything you want. I compare him very favorably to Kareem Hunt from a year ago. Uh, he gets knocks much the same way as Chubb for his receiving chops or ability. The pass pro is a very, very real liability. Don't get me wrong there. But it's not like he's chipping teeth on the football trying to catch it. So uh, Rashad Penny, who is actually one of two players in my second tier of running backs that doesn't include Geis, 108. TJ's just coming out bold. And, yeah, I mean, as a runner, I think Penny's just like Chubb. I think he's fantastic. And, you know, your pass, your Kareem Hunt thing works on multiple levels because Kareem Hunt was one of the worst pass protectors in last year's draft class as well. And Penny is scary bad in that area. And <laughs> Scott, you know, you're back on the clock at 109. Where'd you go here? I went Rosen. I think that was uh, pretty much the end of a super flex tier right there. Uh, before we get into the wide receivers and uh, and whatnot, but uh, as I as I predicted, one of those quarterbacks would fall. I would have wanted Jackson. I'm I'm more of a risk taker when it when it comes to stuff like that. But uh, uh, I'm I'm very happy with Rosen there. I know I know he's not going to get me points on the ground, but I, I think that he's going to be drafted high enough. He's going to have that draft draft capital. He's going to get a good long look at being a starter in the NFL, and I actually think he can be. I love his mentality too, and and that that's that's I, I know that people make jokes about the hot tub and stuff. I'm actually more mad about the hot tub because hot tubs are disgusting cesspools. But uh, I have no problem with him hanging out with the girls in his dorm and whatnot. But I I actually think he's got, he's got a, a such a leadership mentality. So uh, I'm fine with Josh Josh Rosen there. I think he's you know got a decent future ahead of him. That awkward moment when my like one of my favorite things in the world is our hot tubs so uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh i got yeah i got so, a, i got a story i can tell when you stop recording <laughs> i have a couple too <laughs> also no one on this pod or listening <laughs> nope uh, so now we got to speed through this so we get your hot tub stories but curtis you're uh <laughs> You're on the clock at 110, and no receivers have been taken yet. Well, I'm going to change out of 110 um, before I reveal the pick. I did want to agree with Scott that I think 109 is the end of um, a tier in Superflex, and that's something that's really important. You know, when you're doing your research before your before your dynasty rookie draft, and and you're making sure that 
you know, you've got all your research done and, and you know everything about the players, make sure you're looking at a list that matches the settings of your league because, um, you know, like if you were to go to any of the reputable sites that have rookie ADP data, you know, I'm looking at Dynasty League football, you know, right now, that ADP that's, that's you know, most prominent and posted there is based off a single QB. So just be careful. Make sure that you're looking at super flex because you're going to draw those tiers in a little bit differently. And you may want to play the strategy a little different in, in a league like this. You know, if you've got if you've got the fifth or sixth pick and you're trying to build your team out and need some depth, you can trade back to 108, 109, feel good about the quality of play you're getting and maybe get a future second or, you know, second this year just for, for your trouble. So that's just a little bit of, you know, on-the-clock strategy for you there. Um, in terms of my pick, at 110, I took James Washington. He's not a very popular, you know, first overall rated receiver for many analysts um, this year. It seems like a lot of people, he's, it seems like he's a consensus top four wide receiver. And many people I've seen have him even at three. For, for me, I think I, I really could see Washington, Sutton, Moore, Ridley, or even Kirk, um, any of those five guys end up being the best fantasy wide receiver of the group. It's just going to depend on landing spot. But when I look at what Washington's done for four straight years, his breakout age, just this sheer production that he's put up, if he if he were to land in a place with even an, you know, a slightly above average quarterback in terms of the deep ball, he could very much have a, you know, Deshaun Jackson like impact even in year one in the in the right spot. So very happy with Washington. I think he's the type of player that's gonna have a long career because he has one very defining skill that he's elite at in terms of deep ball tracking and, and big play mentality and teams always have a spot for a guy like that. So I don't see scenarios where, where he's a whiff and I'm very happy with him at 110 here. Yeah. I like that call. And I agree with you in terms of the top four tier, uh, Ryan, you're on the clock with 111. Um, so why don't you tell us who you drafted? And uh, my, my personal thought with dynasty is, you know, we talked about landing spots are so important. Do you think that whoever goes to the Cowboys ends up as the consensus dynasty number one wide receiver? No. They'll just throw it to Terrence Williams. I saw that joke. That's, that's a, <laughs> someone else made that joke on Twitter. I, I, I can remember who, but it doesn't matter who they drop. They'll just throw it to Terrence Williams. <laughs> yeah, actually, I actually do. Um, I don't. I, I hope they don't just throw it to Terrence Williams. I hope Scott's wrong, but um, I, I do think, uh, assuming they take a quarterback in the, fir- I'm sorry, a, a wide receiver in the first round, I do think whether it's Moore or Sutton or. or Washington or or Ridley, whoever that might be, I think just immediately becomes the wide receiver one in the class. And and again, that's because these guys are so, so close right now in terms of their value and, and uh, just, just all the analysis that has gone in into these guys. So uh, I was on the clock at 111 and got a trade offer that I could not refuse. Uh, TJ sent me an offer 111 and 211 for 112 and 2.04. So I took that, and now TJ is on the clock at 111. Yes, sir. I'm happy to get that deal done. On the Dallas issue, it is not a lock for me for it to be the class wide receiver one, because if it isn't a receiver that finds the easy separation that Dak can see before he delivers it, that receiver will suffer and the offense will suffer as well. He could not use Dak because Dak is a player that's always open but doesn't have separation. And Dak is unwilling to make those throws. Does you mean so, to confirm? Yeah, yeah, does, does yeah. That, does that, that, that of- connection doesn't work. Yeah, I fully agree, TJ. I mean, I, I think that's a, a really eloquent point because I mean he had Des for two straight years 
somebody had been, you know, a pretty established fantasy producer. And I mean, Des was pretty ineffective in uh, between inter- between injury and um, Dak just not being comfortable with them. So, like, I think it's really hypocritical of of people who are down on Des to to like really want Cortland Sutton to go to Dallas because I don't really see how that's I, I don't see how they're that effectively different. I don't see um, why you would have a more rosy view of a less polished non-prime wide receiver who will not have help on the other side to draw safeties away, like why that would become your lock number one. So for me, actually Dallas, I don't think I'm giving anyone a bump there unless it's a tight end (laughs) because he has shown a proclivity for forcing the ball to, you know, old man Witten, even, even late in his career. So if they were to draft Gasicki or somebody like that, they get a little boost, but I'm not very interested in in giving bonus points to a receiver there. Yeah, there are two receivers that I would I would really like in Dallas. Uh, the first of which is the one I moved up to get, and that's DJ Moore, who is my wide receiver one in the class. Uh, there's just a slight sliver of space between him and Washington for me. Moore is ready to go week one. There's the second one, Curtis said. But Moore is ready to go week one. He has different paths to success. He can play outside. He can play inside. Uh, I kind of liken him to the two LSU receivers from a few years ago, a combo of which he can work inside well and do everything that Landry can do. And he can also win like OBJ did as well. Yeah. TJ, I thought Moore was, was a good pick there. And uh, if I, if I'd stayed in that, in that spot, I, I certainly would have taken him moving, moving down one spot though. I just, I didn't see a huge difference value-wise right now between Moore and Cortland Sutton. So I made that move and and then drafted Sutton at 112. So that wraps up the first round, and we're now on to the second round where, Scott, I think you end another tier, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're probably right, uh, right, right about that, that area. Um, I actually wanted Sutton to drop because uh, I like him the most in this class. Uh, but I got the the old man that Ryan makes fun of at every every turn, I believe, <laughs> on our shows um, with Calvin Ridley. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely old. He's definitely small. Um, he's he's not super aggressive, but um, a lot of people seem to think that he has the safest floor and he's the best route runner. <laughs> and so I, I took him there. Not not really seeing much else that I really like could talk myself into. Uh, I feel like Ridley's probably also going to have that first round draft capital that he's going to get a chance that, you know, worked for guys like Treadwell. The big difference between him and Treadwell is he actually gets open. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just a bitter Vikings fan right now. Yeah. You you, you certainly have it the roughest of the Jets and Browns fans in here. Please complain about how bad your team is. Um, Uh, Curtis, you're, you're back on the clock at 202. Uh, you might argue with me that the tier extends a little bit longer for this player. Um, talk to me. Yeah, I took uh, I took Christian Kirk, and I, I think Kirk is the Jarvis Landry of this draft class. I, I don't think that he's getting a lot of credit for what he had to do in a very tough transition at Texas A&M, total transition of what they were doing offensively from the beginning of his career to the end. And uh, <clears throat> he's just he's absolutely a player that is going to rack up um, the yak in the NFL. And, um, you know, he may not have had an opportunity in, in you know, 2017 or, or parts of 2016 to give the razzle-dazzle as much because of what he was asked to do. 
Um, but you talk about a player that knows how to find his way around in space and can make guys miss. I mean, those are the guys that are the future of the NFL. And he also has um, above average kick return ability. And if he, you know, we've seen many times that players uh, can get on the field a little bit earlier when they have something to add in special teams. That really helped out a guy like Tyreek Hill a couple years ago cement a spot on offense when they saw what he could do with the ball in his hands. So I, I just really love Christian Kirk. He's my favorite guy uh, at the top of the the second round and in really any format. Kirk's one of the more interesting guys to me in the entire class because I've seen anywhere from late first talk to third round. Like I, I think people, he's one of those guys that people legitimately have zero idea as to where he's going to go. Uh, Ryan, you're back on the clock, and I think you make uh, the favorite pick of everybody in this class. Yeah, I'm sure you guys were all happy with this pick. Uh, after the trade, I actually had back-to-back picks here at 2-3 and 2-4. Uh, the first one, I went ahead and, and bit the bullet and took Josh Allen. Uh, I mean, it, it's almost kind of like Barkley on the other end. Like, what else do we need to say at this point? We know it, it just seems like nobody likes this guy except maybe possibly John Dorsey. Um Fantasy wise, I mean, he's he's going to go in the first round. He's going to get opportunity, and in a super flex league, if you're getting a starting quarterback in the second round of a rookie draft, I, I just don't know how you can can pass it up. Um, if I didn't have these back to back picks, it would have been a much tougher choice because I really like the second player I took as well, um, and probably would have actually ended up just going with him if I if I only had one pick here in the early. Uh, early part of the second. Uh, I was thinking about this when Curtis was talking about Christian Kirk. This wide receiver class has gotten bashed a lot and and uh, partially due to uh, the strength of the quarterback class, the strength of the running back class. But I really, one thing I like about the wide receiver class, if we're looking two or three years out, I think there's five or six guys that we could say is the best, you know, might be the best receiver at that point or might have the most dynasty value. Uh, obviously, Washington, Moore, Sutton, Ridley are all in that conversation. I think Kirk is as well. And I think Equinemia St. Brown is also. Uh, and that's who I took at 2-4. Scott, you're on the clock at 2.05. And you take the uh, body mass index hero of fantasy football. Yeah, I took <laughs> Ronald Jones. I, I I debated him and John Kelly a little bit here. I, th- those were the two guys I was really looking at. I wish St. Brown would have dropped. I actually... Uh, Got a little mad at myself for not taking St. Brown with the last one because I just love St. Brown's upside. But yeah, Ronald Jones, it just I love those game breaking backs. I know that he wasn't superb in the passing game, but I, I like I like they've mentioned we've mentioned about other players. I don't think that means he can't. I, I do think he could potentially be a three down back, but I don't think he's gonna be like a huge PPR back or anything. But uh yeah, for me, this was Honestly, just between him and Kelly, and then it was a little bit of an end of a tier again for me just a couple picks later. So I went with uh, Ronald Jones there. Ronald Jones probably has the draft capital over John Kelly uh, after, yeah, after Friday. That usually plays into almost every one of my picks in this thing. I'm I'm big on draft capital being a, being a real thing. I mean, that's, that's smart. It is. Teams want to look smart, right? And the higher they draft someone, the more opportunities they're willing to give. And But it's funny that just looking at two players in general, John Kelly and Ronald Jones probably couldn't be more different in terms of the, the way they win on the football field. Curtis, you're back up, and you didn't take John Kelly. So uh, who'd you go with here? Um, my my next two backs on the board were Royce Freeman and Kerryon Johnston. And honestly, I've just taken Royce Freeman and so many um, analyst mocks <laughs> this year that I just wanted to do something different. Uh-huh. I mean, I really love all know Royce Freeman, story. and I think he's so well-rounded. Yeah, 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 you do. Um, Royce Freeman is is super 
well-rounded and I think he's the type of guy that um, could certainly become, you know, a, a workhorse in the right situation. And, and it, I didn't do this because um, I stopped liking him or anything, but I took carry on Johnson. And I think carry on Johnson is a guy that could potentially be drafted uh, in the late second round. He's just, he's just a guy that people are kind of sleeping on because of the depth of, of the running back class. But I mean, I've seen some people say that if the class wasn't so deep, he'd have a late first round grade. Um, and I'm talking football people, not fantasy people. Um, and so, you know, in a, in a typical fantasy rookie draft right now, he's like a, a one-two turn guy for me, probably like in the 202 discussion. And so to get him at 206 because of the depth of a super flex draft, you know, it was pretty fun. So that I took carry on. I think he's a guy that could shoot up fantasy draft boards depending on landing. I mean, we keep mentioning landing spot because it's so important. But Daniel Jeremiah is the guy that mentioned that he could – see him going late first in top 50 and if he does then he could land into a, a spot that becomes real fantasy value ryan you are back on the board and you take one of my favorite players in the class yeah i, I did finally take john kelly I, I talked earlier about taking allen and st brown at those back-to-back picks and the other player i considered along with those two was kelly so uh, once it got to two seven that was the easy call for me he's just a player a, a lot like value wise at least not not the type of player he is but value wise a lot like what Curtis was saying with Carrion Johnson as far as that late first, early second round range. And he seems to be a player that a lot of people, I don't know, I guess just getting a lot of buzz in, in fantasy circles. I know, I know Elliot, you like him. I know Matt Waldman likes him. Just it seems like a lot of people who, who people are listening to this time of year are, are pushing Kelly up their list. And, and obviously those are, those are people, including yourself, Elliot, who, have an influence on dynasty players. So yeah, we keep talking about uh, landing spot and draft capital because again, this this class, every single position is so close. Uh, other than Barkley at the top, you can put these all four of these positions. Uh, you you can argue the ranks between basically every player uh, at, at each spot. So that's that's why it's important. That's why it's important with Kelly. Yeah, I, I mean, I I agree with everything you just said. And TJ, you you're back on the board uh, for two hundred eight. Where'd you go here? Man, it's been a long time since I made a pick after the trade. I actually was thrilled Royce Freeman got here. I didn't think there was any way. Uh, just looking at who was available and who I was drafting with, I assumed it would be John Kelly coming to me, and I thought I would get the Elliott seal of approval there. I'm not even sure where you're at on Freeman, but a lot of people like him saying he has a floor in the league. I'm not sure he has a draft capital floor, and I'm not sure he has a floor in the league, but I think he has a bell cow ceiling. He is capable in all facets mm-hmm. of the game. He could, he can really, really be effective in the passing game, and he's a sound runner. So if he gets a sound landing spot, he's the guy who, in the second round, can really make a difference in, in drafts. I'm one of those people that talk about his floor as a runner because his vision is as good, if not better, than every other running backs in the class. And you saw Oregon use a, a zone scheme, and he would set up – he would know defensive leverage. He would set up guys at all three levels. And, you know, he just has a great understanding of the game in general. So I think that's where the floor comment comes in. But, again, like all these other guys, draft capital, you hear with him anywhere between the second and fifth round. So he, he's a guy that could absolutely fly up boards. Scott, you're back on the clock for your last pick, and you're, you, you take a speedster here. I, yeah, I, w- I went. I probably took a reach here, but it, it was my last pick. There's no third round here, so I wanted to go with a guy that I don't even know if he's gonna be <laughs> good in the NFL, but he's uh, he's fun and explosive and a speedster. And uh, 
it, you know, the NFL is very, very, very much trending towards those, you know, pass catching satellites and committees with satellites. And, and I think uh, Naheem Hines can be, uh, can be one of those. I, they, they can see what's been going on with, I know he's nothing like <laughs> Kamara, but uh, Tariq Cohen and stuff. I think he can be, he could potentially be one of those guys in the NFL. Uh, fun to, fun to flex. <laughs> in you know fun to just flex and root for uh and watch for big plays when you're playing fantasy so that's kind of why i took him there i i like him a lot and you know eric galco of optimum scouting tweeted out a couple weeks ago that his comp for neon hines was giovanni bernard and he wouldn't be surprised if he sees him go in that similar range and bernard went 37th overall so i i wonder if hines is one of these guys that nfl teams like more than than uh the media does at this point and could go a lot higher than people expect. And OC is going to look at him and, and want that super fast chess piece that they can move around as, as the, uh, you know, the analysts like to use. Yeah. He was a wide receiver his freshman year and split time wide receiver and running back, Mm -hmm. uh, sophomore and running back this past year. So Curtis, you make your last pick of the draft and, you know, in a super flex league, I think you just kind of stole the show here. Yeah. I was very happy to take, uh, Mason Rudolph and, uh, I, you know, I kind of got the Oklahoma state connection going here. Uh, you know, both of the studs from that, from that, uh, school. So, um, you know, I, I tweeted out the other day, I'm, I'm predicting Rudolph to go in the first. I just think that there's so much pressure to get a quarterback, obviously, and people like, you know, getting that fifth year option and having a cheap quarterback that seems like to be, you know, the preferred method for building a winner. Um, and so I just think, you know, one of these one of these teams that is just good year in, year out that that need a replacement, you know, whether a replacement plan, maybe not for this year, but for 2019, whether it's the Patriots or the Steelers or um, maybe even a team trading up from the second at the end of the first. I just think Rudolph's going to go there. And um, even if he doesn't, I still think it's highly unlikely he slips out of the top 40 instead of drafting him at the end of the second in a super flex for a guy who's undoubtedly going to get a chance to start in his career is a slam dunk. So I was pretty happy with that. The latest report was that if he doesn't go in the first round, his floor is 34 to the Giants if they take Barkley. So you're, 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 I, I like that call the top 40 guy. He's been connected to the Patriots, Chargers. Steelers, so I, I think he's going to find himself in a, in a really good opportunity for future fantasy success. I couldn't agree more on Rudolph. I just want to say uh, as if things haven't gone well enough for Philly over the last year, uh, they have that 30-second pick on the block, and I think there's a very strong chance of a couple teams getting a, getting a bidding war to get that last day one pick. Yeah, that's that's they, they don't have a second or third round pick, I want to say, or don't have a second round pick. So wanting to move back is probably something they really want to do, and that last fifth-year contract is very valuable. Ryan, you are up for your last uh, pick. No, you trade this to TJ. TJ, you, you close this out with both picks, don't you? Yeah, man, uh, this is what I ended up with, and uh, this is going to be a model for a lot of my drafts where I want to get uh, one of the top two receivers where I – perceive a big tier break between Moore and Washington. And then after that, I think there's a lot more unknown. Uh, so with the first of the last two picks, I went with my tight end one, Mike Kosicki. Now this has an asterisk that if I have a team that I think needs more guaranteed or, or production more quickly, that Andrews might be a better pick. But uh, Gesicki, I'm sure there's going to be an offensive coordinator that wants to mold him to an NFL tight end, and he has a ceiling as high as any. So I'm good with that there. I was going to say he he has that Jimmy Graham-like upside in terms of you know 99th percentile athletic testing and 
uh, former volleyball player, two-sport athlete, red zone monster. You know, I, I love the call about Gusecki's upside. Yep, and then uh, the last pick of the draft, uh, I had a few receivers I was debating between here, but I ultimately landed on Deion Kane from the Clemson wide receiver factory. He, I, I don't know what his draft capital is going to end up, but I do know it should be higher than wherever it does. And the character concerns just seem overblown, or maybe he's not a hyped enough prospect that people don't want to look into him any further. But uh, him or Callaway were were going to be the pick here, but uh, it ended up being Kane. Yeah, and Callaway just got caught smoking weed today. So uh, <laughs> good job with Kane. Um, Scott, Ryan, Curtis, TJ, I just want to thank you guys for joining us. Man, uh, you guys are probably the four dynasty minds that i respect the most tj you're the guy who somehow managed to rip me off in every trade in a league i'm in with you uh, i just want to thank you guys for joining us and uh doing a fantastic job on this mock draft thanks a lot thanks for having me elliot that's this, this has been a lot of fun um these guys these guys really really know their stuff like you i i feel like i've fallen way behind <laughs> where i used to be but uh it, it's really enjoyable just to listen to you guys uh you, the way your minds work when you talk about players it's 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 very uh, almost intoxicating. Oh, Scott. Ooh, is it hot in here? <laughs> 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 Guys, thank you for tuning in to Draft Daily. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. As always, uh, we really appreciate listening. Thank you.